I'm Kyle Northcutt. Welcome to the Kids Learn Career Show. Each week, I ask a different person about their job so you can know what your options are out in the world. My guest today is Dr. Arpi Miller, the director of a nonprofit organization that serves immigrants and refugees. Arpi, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Kyle. I'm so excited to be here with you. Thanks for being here. First off, can you tell me about your nonprofit and what it's like to run it? Sure. So my nonprofit, Isaac, um, that stands for the Interfaith Solidarity and Accompaniment Coalition, is um, a local nonprofit in Northern Colorado. And what we work towards is immigration justice. So what that means is making Northern Colorado a place where people, no matter what their immigration background is, or if they're a refugee or an asylum seeker, that this becomes a place where they feel safe and where they feel welcome. And we work with a lot of partners to do that. So we work with churches and faith communities, and we work with community-based organizations and school districts. Cool. So what kinds of things do you actually do day-to-day at work? So what I love about my job in part is that I get to do a lot of different things. And so day-to-day, I'd say the main part of our work is relationship building. So we do a ton of meetings and relationship building with immigrant and refugee communities locally, but we also do a lot of work in relationship building with different faith leaders and parishioners in different churches, and also a lot of, you know, government leaders and agency leaders where we're kind of trying to form relationships with people in position of power so we can think about creative solutions for how we make this a safer place for people. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. So what did, when did you first know you wanted to do this kind of work? Well, it's been a long path. So for anyone out there that, you know, feels like they need to know what they want to do right away, I can just tell you that it's okay to be a person that goes a little bit by your feelings and your instincts and you kind of find your way into the work. I think I was always really interested in um, issues of diversity and equity and trying to create that beautiful world where people from all backgrounds feel like it's their world and they can thrive in it. Um, And that started when I was probably your age, actually. But I took a pretty winding path by traveling and living in other countries and seeing how other people lived, going back to graduate school after college, trying to become a professor, and then deciding that I didn't really want to do that and coming back to community work. So it it was a, a long, long journey. So did you consider any other jobs or careers before this one? And can you tell us a bit more about the path you took to get here? Yeah, so I did, um, like I said, I was living in Central America and Guatemala for about three years, mm-hmm. um, working in a co-op there. It was actually a language school where people from all over the world could go and learn Spanish. Um, and when I was there, I started noticing how people were leaving Guatemala because it just wasn't a livable place for people and they were coming to the U.S. And I, you know, I thought I really wanted to understand immigration and sort of understand all the sides of it. So I actually went back and pursued a PhD at um, UCLA, which is in Southern California. And as I got down that path, which is a very grueling path, I would say my graduate career was 10 years. Something in the middle of it was just kind of not feeling right. I liked the work on one side, but on the other side, I thought, you know, I don't know if I want to be a professor or not. Um, And so I think sometimes those red flags are trying, it's your instinct telling you something or maybe being called to do something else. And so I, uh, I left that professor world behind. Hmm. So what do you like most and least about your job? 
What do I like most? I think the two best parts of my job are relationships. All day long, I get to meet with amazing people from different walks of life. And um, there's just a lot of compassion and sharing that goes back and forth in those relationships. And I'm a real people person and people give me energy. So I like getting to be with people. I know some people don't like that. They like the opposite, but for me, that gives me energy. And I think the other part of my job I love is that all of us that are meeting and working together, we have kind of a a shared sense of purpose Mm -hmm. and that sense of purpose and that, that feeling of meaning is that we're all, however we're doing it, we're all trying to make our world a little bit better place for the next generation. And so the two things, the relationships on the one side and the sense of purpose that drives us forward, I think are the things I love. The things I don't love, fundraising. Fundraising is just a necessary part of nonprofit work. And so I don't love asking people for money and trying to write grants and do all of that. And I don't love having meetings all day long, especially at night, you know, when I want to hang out with my kids and have dinner and watch a family movie, but I have to be on a Zoom meeting at eight o'clock at night. So those are the hard things. Now a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Kids Green Team, a business startup kit I created with my friend Micah. Here's the problem we learned about that we couldn't ignore. Your city doesn't recycle plastic grocery bags, shipping air pillows, bubble wrap, and other plastic like that. Whether you throw them in the trash yourself or put them in your curbside recycling bin, they're headed for a landfill, or worse, the ocean. But that's where my friend Micah and I come in. We've built an entire course to teach kids like us how to turn this unnecessary waste into a successful business, profitable from month number one. Check it out at kidsgreenteam.com. Let's do some good together. Okay, now back to the show. What level of education do you have? Was that required for your job or not? You know, it's not required. I think a lot of people um, that work in the nonprofit sector um, really do come from all walks of life. Um, There are people that have really no higher education at all, but they have an enormous amount of lived wisdom and lived experience. Mm -hmm. But to be in a director role like I am, probably most people have Um, an undergraduate degree and probably a master's. Me going on the whole way and deciding to do a PhD was probably an unnecessary detour, but I don't regret it because, you know, whatever path you take, you learn something and then you take it forward with you. Mm -hmm. So how much money would someone starting out um, like doing a nonprofit expect to make? And what's the long-term income potential? So I would say that no one should go into nonprofit work if they're wanting to make a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) it's um it's a job I mean I think as you it depends how big your nonprofit is right in my nonprofit we have one staff member and it's me because we're really just a startup um so I think as your nonprofit grows there's probably a lot more income potential but nonprofit staff and directors you know start out by making whatever the nonprofit can raise sometimes it's 30 40 50 thousand Um, And then I think as those nonprofits grow and they can be huge and have multi-million dollar budgets, Mm -hmm. then the income potential is is probably, you know, it's quite a good trajectory where you could work your way up over $100,000. But it's definitely not, um, most people go into nonprofit work because the compensation isn't the money, but it's the joy um, and the energy of the work. Mm. 
So how much free time do you have? Like, do you work a traditional 40-hour work week more or less? I would say that um, I don't have a traditional schedule at all. And it's one of the challenges of this kind of work. It comes home with you at night. There's no nine to five, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You work weekends. You have a lot of events with the community on the weekend, fundraising events on the weekends. And I think a lot of people involved in nonprofit work actually work another paid job. And then they work in some capacity or like as a volunteer um, with the nonprofit. So a lot of our meetings are after five or six o'clock when people finish their other job. So there, there's not a lot of boundaries around it. And you really have to be disciplined about creating your own boundaries, just like with any kind of startup or entrepreneur work, I think. So what advice do you have for young people considering what you do for their job? I would say they should do what you're doing with this podcast, which is if you're interested in something, give it a try, get involved, maybe, you know, volunteer with a nonprofit. And sometimes you feel like you have to be doing something really important in that work. Honestly, you can just start by showing up for events and helping set up chairs or serve the food. And you still get a feel for what the space looks like, what the energy is and what the work is. And I think it's one of those types of work where you really have to get your feet wet and just kind of intern or try it out to decide if it's for you. Mm. So this one is borrowed from Tim Ferriss, a best-selling author and one of the top podcasters in the world. What is one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? Great question. I think the best investment that I made, well, The investment in my family was awesome, but that's not about my work. (laughs) Um, The best investment that sort of led me into this work was stepping off a path towards becoming a professor that in my gut, I felt wasn't quite right. And taking a leap of faith and taking a risk to just start feeling out what different organizations existed in our community and where the needs were. And having that conversation with my family over and over again, where I kept saying, I don't know where this is going to lead, but I just have a feeling that it's all going to work out. So making an investment of time, but not being exactly sure where that time was going to take you and and giving it enough space that eventually it turned into something beautiful. Mm. So was there a time in your life where you felt like you completely failed at something, but it ended up helping later on? I think um, going down that graduate school path and feeling like a lot of my classmates were applying for jobs at universities and getting jobs. And I just kept getting in my own way. Actually, was I really excelled at grad school, but I just kept getting in my own way. And I kept asking myself, why don't you just get out of your own way and get the work done? I kept procrastinating on everything. You know, when you do that with homework and you're like, I don't really feel like working on this. And I think with enough of that, I kind of realized that um, I felt I was failing, but sometimes failure, it's almost like in the ashes, something else can grow like after a wildfire and then all the, all, all, all the, um, or after a forest fire and all the wildflowers start to grow up. So I think sometimes you have to fail to start again and do what you're really called to do. Mm. So was there a person in your life, like a parent, grandparent, teacher, coach, or mentor that made a huge impact on you? If so, in what way? And would you like to give that person a quick shout out? 
I'd love to shout out some people. I would say my mom and my dad were a great model for me. My dad was a professor and my mom was a community organizer. So I, I turned into like a little combination of the two of them. But I think um, they inspired me because as a kid, I got to see that their work was really purpose-driven. Like they both just so much believed in the work that they did. It wasn't a job where they kind of trudged to work and were, you know, frustrated in their work and wish they could do something else. They both loved what they did. And that was inspiring to me. And I also had an awesome seventh and eighth grade history teacher, Mr. Farrar, who taught me to think really critically about the history that we're taught and actually kind of go in and find hidden pieces of the history that you don't learn about in school. And I think he was the first person that taught me to think critically. So I shout out to you, Mr. Farrar. Actually, he's Dr. Farrar now. He got a PhD. (laughs) So knowing what you know now, would you have done anything differently growing up? Wow. I would not change anything on my path because I think you know, your path leads you to where you are and I'm happy where, where I am. But I think my advice to kids would be, and this is such a hard one, especially as you get out of elementary school and you start to head into junior high and high school, you go through years where just naturally you're super self-conscious. And so you're really aware of what other people think of you. And sometimes that gets in the way of letting kind of your gifts, like I always call it your special sauce. Like each kid has a special sauce, you know, like you, Kyle, have a special sauce. It's like who you are. It makes you who you are. And sometimes we kind of like hide that light because we're trying to fit in. And so if I could do anything different, I wouldn't waste energy in that. I would just be who I was, um, who I was made to be, you know, and that would be my advice for other kids. Awesome. Thanks, RP. Now it's time for the joke of the day. How do you get a squirrel to like you? Hmm. I really don't know. You act like a nut. <laughs> Perfect. I fit right in with them. <laughs> thanks. Um, thanks again for joining us on the Kids Learn Career Show. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and tell your friends. See you next time.